Ossert would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record this podcast. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging, and any First Nations people listening today. We also want to acknowledge that these lands have always been places of learning and sharing of information, and that is the essence of this podcast. Welcome to the Ossert Podcast, Share Today, Save Tomorrow. I'm your host, Anthony Caruana, and this month I chat with Ossert's Diversity Inclusion Champion for 2023, the amazing Daisy Wong. If you're a regular at security events, you've probably seen Daisy wheeling around on the brightest pink wheelchair you've ever seen. Daisy talks to us about her experience and how her unique background has helped her become a security culture advocate and champion. Then it's over to my co-host Beck, who chats with Ossert director David Stockdale, and they fill us in on an exciting new opportunity at Ossert. If you've ever wanted to work at the world's best CERT, this could be your chance. Today I'm joined by Daisy Wong. How are you doing, Jake? Daisy? Hey, good, thank you. How are you? I'm really well. Look, this is sort of a lot of fun. We're, you know, we don't often talk about where we're at when we're doing these podcasts because we don't know when we're going to release these through the year. But we are actually at the Ossert conference, the 30th anniversary of the Ossert concert conference, and it's only been about 12 hours since you were unveiled as Ossert's diversity and inclusion champion for the last year. So. What was that like? Because the look on your face was just priceless. Uh, shocked. I was still shocked. I was still processing because um, I just never thought of it. I wasn't even supposed to be at the conference. I was here to support one of my friends. She's speaking. So I was like, okay, I'll fly up as well to support you, to watch you speak. And then, yeah, and then I had my phone texting away. And then all of a sudden my name was called out. <laughs> so, yes, that's why I was very shocked. But, no, it is really nice to be recognised, especially for diversity and inclusion because it's really important to me. Being recognised is a thing that kind of just happens for you. Um, you know, you, you do wheel around, you know, very bright pink wheelchair. <laughs> it's kind of hard to miss. You've got this amazing, you know, pink hair that stands out everywhere like you've got these beautiful nails like the, the whole look is there like you you don't shirk away from living with your disability do you no no and obviously just you know for those of your listeners who don't know I was born with spina bifida and hence you know I can walk with crutches for short distances and recently I have been adopting my pink wheels as I like to call it my hot pink wheelchair and yeah I feel like the more I lean into my disability the more it's able to inspire others. I've actually seen two other people at this conference in a wheelchair. That journey to leaning in, that didn't happen like one afternoon. You thought, you know what, it's pink wheelchair day today no. or it's pink hair day. No. Like there's a bit of a journey to this. Do you want to talk oh. us away, a little bit way through that? Yeah, 100% a massive journey because I'm Chinese. My family's from Hong Kong and there's actually a lot of shame with having a disability. You know, my mother's always used to say to me, oh, I think you should be a librarian. You know, you sit around, deal with books all day. That's a good career for you. And I'm like, have you met me? I can't stop talking. Like, <laughs> yeah, you'd be the one getting kicked out of the library for talking too much. Exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, so they've never, you know, my parents are very supportive, but not a lot, didn't have a lot of expectation because I think for them, it's like, you're disabled. You're not going to have a lot of opportunities. So as long as you're not breaking any laws, mm. you're staying out of trouble, we're happy. So I think it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely been a journey. I was born with black hair. I do spend a lot of time, money and effort making it pink. <laughs> I think the older I get, I've definitely had challenges. I've had people, you know, come up to me and say, what happened? What have you done? Like quite confronting. I've had managers say, you're not technical. So being in the cyber, there's no space for you in the cyber industry. 
I definitely had my challenges. I've had two redundancies before the age of 30, like two jobs in a row, mm-hmm. redundant. So it's been hard and there's a, definitely, you know, a lot of men have dealt with a bit of misogyny behavior as well. But I think, you know, I just, I just think you need to back yourself. And I've had lots of support from other women, like Australian Women's Security Network. I volunteer there. And I just think instead of hiding, I want to lean into it. Mm-hmm. And I want to show others, whether it be ethnic, divert, like, you know, disability, physically, intellectually, whatever it may be, you shouldn't let it limit you and just go for it. So it, one of the things you said in there that was really interesting was about the you're not technical, therefore you can't do cyber. And that's, that's often seen as a pretty big barrier to yeah. lo- a lot of people. But it's particularly, I think, one for women where yes. there's a perception that unless you're an engineer, you can't do this job or you can't be in this industry. What do you actually do? Yeah. So right now I'm a flybys as the security culture and awareness lead. So I manage all the security education, educating staff to make sure they don't click on phishing, have better password hygiene, you know, just to improve the cyber hygiene and behaviors. So that's what I currently do. But I fell into cyber. I did marketing at uni. Someone actually told me I should have been a radio host at one point. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yes. I think so too. But yeah, no, so I did marketing at uni and I thought I was going to be at L'Oreal selling lipstick or something, like love makeup, hair, beauty, as you as you mentioned. But I graduated. I got a graduate position at IBM and I cried because I'm like, I don't want to do IT. I have no idea what this means. But my sister being the older and wiser sibling said, just do it for a year. Get some experience under your belt. And if you really don't like it, we'll find you another job. Mm-hmm. And so I fell into, you know, IBM graduate role, project coordinator. I ended up in this storage team, mm-hmm. you know, change coordination. And then that role was made redundant two and a half years later. And then I kind of figured project management was kind of what I wanted to do. Then I got a job at NAP in the pen testing team. Out of all of NAP, <laughs> okay, all of IT, all of security, ended up in the pen testing team. So you're surrounded by the uber nerds of yep. the uber nerds. Yep. Yeah. And then I essentially had to herd cats. I had to manage when they did the pen test, when the reporting was done. But more importantly, how do you explain complex cybersecurity vulnerabilities and risks to the business owners? They just want to know when they can release the app so they can make more money. Yeah. While the pen testers are like, we've broken it, this is bad, go recode, redevelop. So that's where I think I learned how to explain complicated security risks and concepts in business language. And then I was told, hey, we think you'll be really good at culture and awareness. That's where all the women go next. How did that make you feel? I was like, no, nah, not doing it. No, nah, not doing it. So I was actually really against it. Mm. I was really against it because I just felt like I was pigeonholed before I even explored what it was. So I was against it, so I was like, no, not doing it. Then I left. Now that role was also made redundant. So was it made redundant because you kind of said, don't pigeonhole me just because I'm a girl? Was that like, is it that or did the the, the role, did you kind of just get it done and there was nothing left? No, I think they were cutting costs. And I think having an, you know, admin per schedule ops person to manage the pen testers was just seen as unnecessary. They didn't really value Mm. the soft skills that the pen testers could manage their own schedule. 
So okay. that role was just, that was, yeah, made redundant. And then I ended, I was at the crossroad. Do I, because I did my project, Prince 2 project management course. So I was like, okay, do I just go? Because I, I, by then I knew I liked IT enough that I wanted to have a career, stay in it. There's also some practicalities with it. I think with IT, you can work from home. So with my disability, the flexibility of working from home really helps. It means I don't have to, like, you know, lug my wheelchair around every day, be stuck in traffic because it's quite difficult for me to take public transport. Hmm. So I think IT was a good industry for me to be in because even pre-COVID, yeah. I was always working from home. Like it was, it, at least we have the ability to. Yeah. Yeah. And then so I kind of strategically chose, yep, I'm going to stay in IT. Cyber, you know, really bad experience. I was just, I was constantly told you're not technical. There's no place for you. Just awareness. So then I was like, nah, that's it. I'm going to leave cyber. I'm just going to do project management, IT project management. Then lo and behold, I fell back into a cybersecurity project manager role in government. Did that for about 10 months. And one of my projects was an awareness culture project. And that's when I think I found my calling. That's amazing because, you know, we were talking before we went and we, before we started recording about like weird career paths and how things kind of happen. But that's the thing is like it, it takes time for people to find the spot that really works for them. And I think that's I think one, one of the things you highlighted in there was you came out of uni with your degree and it was like, right, it, it's almost like there's a preordained path. Yes. For a lot of people, they feel like, you know, go to high school, choose the right subjects go to a university, choose the right course, do the right subjects, come out the other end and it's a bit of a sausage factory and you walk out and you're a sausage that's ready to be cooked at company, you know, companies that only cook that style of sausage. Kind exactly. Of but you've kind of proven that like you come in and what you've, because the skills you would pick up in marketing are incredibly valuable oh, in cyber. Like what you learn about communication is, it's probably the biggest problem we've got. You know, we you would have heard Rachel Toback speak recently. Yes, and it's the story, you know, communication is the key, is yeah, one of the exactly. keys to what we do. 100%. And that's why, I, and I definitely use all my marketing skills all day, every day. You know, I'm always designing a new poster, a new background, a new team's background to, you know, communicate the message. It's Cyber Awareness Month, for instance, or Scams Awareness Week, or this mm. month we're all, we're all about, you know, locking your device. So, you know, there's actually a lot of marketing. And I often tell my friends who aren't in the industry, that's what I do. I market cyber to, te- uh, to staff. Because, you know, they're not hired to be IT people or, or security people. So, yeah. One of the things is that we have such a big focus and something you've said a couple of times, there's such a big focus on the technical side of cyber yep. that we forget that technology only takes you part of the way. It's people that take you the whole way across that bridge. And you can't engage people by only giving them firstly doom and gloom stories about 100%. the hacks and you know potential vulnerabilities and whatever but also being able to communicate to them in their language to say that thing that was in the newspaper yesterday about you know whatever the threat of the month is at the moment that doesn't matter to us because we have these five mitigation strategies in place that mm. you do every day and you guys are awesome because you do this and you protect them is that like how do you kind of is that what's going on, actually? Is that you're making sure that they don't also get sidelined and bamboozled by the techno babble that comes out from the oh, professional 100%. nerds? 100%. Nurse Nancy is who I like using. She's my best friend. <laughs> She's a nurse. So Nurse Nancy is who I use all the time. She's hired to save lives. 
she's a theater nurse. She's, yeah, that's her job. But we're now telling her every time you check your emails, you could potentially take the hospital network down. Like that's a lot of responsibility and onus. Mm. And, you know, she doesn't understand. You know, she's not educated to understand all those, like you said, cybersecurity jargon and bamboozled. So I think it's really important to make it digestible and understandable and like help them relate to it. So, you know, always my messaging is always it's not just what we do at work, but it's actually, you know, what like what we're teaching you at work is also going to help your personal life as well and your kids. It's going to help protect your family and your kids. So, yeah. yeah. And I know, look, one of the education programs I did years ago when I was the IT manager at a place was I just taught people how to secure their Facebook accounts. Yeah, that's right. And you just do that and you say at the end, you go, and by the way, if you could do that at work, that would be really nice too. That's and exactly it's almost right. that. It's yeah. 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 And now she understands. Like she's like, okay, because, you know, she used to not argue with me, but she used to say, well, I'm a nurse. Why do I need to know about all this security thing? Why do I need to lock the laptop? You know, I'm here to mm. just use it to punch some figures in, you know? And I said, but you have a lot of technology and if you don't protect it, you know, it may, it could be a life or death situation. Yeah. And we have seen that in health, you know, in, exactly. in Victoria, for example, when Melbourne pathology was hit and yeah. the, the Royal, I think Royal Melbourne Hospital had an attack. So we have seen that across different verticals where it has boiled down to a, a user being coerced into carrying out a, an action that's resulted in something quite significant. Correct. So talk to us a bit about how what what does that mean at a place like flybys? Because like for most people, flybys is just a thing they tap at the register yes. when they do their shop every week. Yeah. So we actually have eight point nine million active members. Hopefully, we're going to hit the nine million mark soon. Which, if you think about it, it's majority of the Australian adult population. So it's really important that we keep our members' information safe and secure. So, you know, it's not just your personal details, like your name, your birthday address, but it's also, you know, how you shop, you know, we collect that data as well and how we protect it. So, yeah, and I think it's really important that our staff, you know, our team members know how to protect our systems and data. So that's where I come in. So they, you know, they know to be really careful of phishing emails. When the CEO sends you an email to buy gift cards, maybe check with the CEO's EA to yep. see if that's actually happened. Most likely it hasn't. Hmm. But yeah, like, could you imagine, like, you know, a lot of people use flybys, a lot of people, you know, get a lot of value from it. Well, you know, could you imagine if you go to Coles and you're trying to tap and because of a, you know, a cybersecurity attack, you can't do that. It could yeah. cause a lot of issues because we have lots of partners as well. So in Australia, obviously, I mean, you look at the data that comes out of the OAIC and, and the ACCC around scams and breaches and attacks and so on. The threat environment in Australia is escalating. I think the OAIC revised their, we went from you know a threat every eight minutes to every seven minutes over the, over the last 12 months that they reported. And we've certainly seen them in the news with, you know, we've had finance, healthcare, you know, we've had all these huge breaches that have gone on in telco and so forth. How has that helped you in your job in communicating uh, culture. So, I don't know, I'm sure you've heard of it, never let an incident go to waste. Yeah, never let a good crisis go yes, to waste. Yes, never yep. let it go to waste. So, I think it's good. It's helped open the conversation. So, because it's reported in the media, hmm. people know about it. Like, so that I feel like awareness has really increased. But culture, so for me, I think awareness is one way. So, you're just because you're aware of something doesn't mean hmm. you care. That's, you know, very famous by Perry Carpenter who wrote in his security culture book but I feel like culture is both ways cultures are a set of values you know I always say like 
being Chinese, when you go into someone's house, you take your shoes off. So same thing. We want it to be culture intrinsic, mm. like these behaviours. So I think it's a bit two-way. I think with all the recent data breaches and incidents, it's been good because people, people's awareness has been increased. Mm. But I also feel like we're getting to a point, it's getting quite saturated and data breach fatigue is real. Mm. So I think it's like, it's and it's also very negative, like you said, like yeah. the scary fear, doom and gloom. Mm. And we often talk about, you know, they, there's, an, there's a saying that says culture eats strategy for breakfast. Mm. Um, and But there is a danger also when you try to overdo that culture element, isn't there? Like, how do you kind of take that? Because, for example, we've had a whole bunch of quite significant breaches in Australia and it's likely we're going to have more. Like, I, I don't think this is the end of, you know, breach Australia. It's going to continue. We know there are, you know, hostile criminal elements. There are hostile governments. There is good old user error, which is still a pretty big, pretty big factor in what goes on. Of course. These things are just going to happen. How do you kind of balance that fear and saturation? How do you make sure that that doesn't overwhelm what you're trying to do in terms of building positive culture? So I think it's really important to use empathy. So I think it's okay to use fear or just as a shock factor. It's a clickbait, you know, mm. headlines, right? I think it's okay that you grab their attention um, using a statistic like, you know, 85% of most attacks are caused by humans. Mm. But I think it's how you then communicate the message. Uh, I think it's more important to report good behavior than bad behavior. So how do you do that? Because like we do, for example, um, people often will report they've had it, they've released, they've received a phishing email. Yeah. And that's a good thing because they've reported it. But do, do for example, in your experience, do people actually come back and say, by the way, we stopped 55 phishing emails because people told us about it. And the result was this really positive thing where we didn't lose this money or we gain this, you know, we didn't lose these customers. Is that the kind of stuff you're involved in doing? So I think a lot of people in the industry report click rate. So like the negative, like the bad, the the negative behavior, the behavior that we don't want. Hmm. So it's always like click rate, like 10%, however much. 10% click the link. I think more, what's more important is the reporting rate. It's the fact that they reported it. They want you to know Hmm. that behavior is good. That's what we want to see. And what I've been doing is I don't call out the individual staff that's done a good thing i often email their manager just yeah. to say hey just wanted to let you know so and so has done really well i've can, i've seen their behavior change and and i often just try and have a conversation mm. with those repeat clickers i heard of a new term yesterday happy clickers <laughs> happy clickers but you know i often but i don't attack i don't it's not mm. it's not a case of putting them on the spot or making them feel bad i used to be fished at work all the time before i was in the in the industry I've even uh, clicked on a PayPal scam hmm. when I was much younger. So I don't, there's no shame. I think we all make mistakes. We're all under the pump. Hmm. I think it's just learning from these, these, yeah, just learning from it. And hmm. so you, you can prevent it from happening again. That's awesome. So if you were going to, if someone came to you and said, hey, look, I've just been given this job as the cybersecurity culture officer at my organization and I'm clueless, like they've literally just created this job and said, you can do this. Yeah. What are maybe two or three things that you would say to them to focus on initially just to kind of get the ball rolling? All right. I would say, look, like, you know, just starting that conversation, just, you know, because I started Flybys a year ago. They didn't have this role at all. So I just started by really raising the awareness of who I am and raising the awareness of the security team, that you're not the team that's a blocker to slow everyone down. You're actually there to help. 
So I think raising awareness of the whole team and what the culture um, officer does is really important. I think that's the first thing. And then I think the next thing is to look at the top risks. So if phishing is one of your top risks or if password reuse, I think focus on that and really just focusing on doing information sessions, bite-sized information uh, on how to change their behaviours. So, for instance, giving them practical things they can do. So, like, hey, we've noticed that 30% of the organisation reuses their password. You know, it's really important, like, you know, to prevent cyber criminals from hacking and breaking in and taking your password, please use a strong and long password. But instead of just saying that, this is how we, you can create a long and strong password. For instance, maybe using different random words, hmm. even a song lyric, that's five words, is still better than a short, complex password. So the hmm. longer your password or passphrase is, the longer it takes the cyber criminals to crack it. Hmm. So I think, you know, providing them that tool. So it's one thing to just say, hey, you've re- you, you reuse your password, change it. But that's it. You're not giving me any tools or strategies to help. You're just telling me off. Yeah. And I don't know about you, Anthony, but I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> but if you're polite and you're understanding and you provide me the tools and strategies, I think it's a lot easier. Cool. So final question for you. Sure. And we're asking everyone on this podcast season the same question. What do you wish you knew 10 years ago? Wow. What wish I knew 10 years ago? That AI existed and it was going to help. <laughs> <laughs> that it's got to change. Well, you are older industry. than 10 years old. You know, only am, just, really. I am, I am. What else would I want it to know? Oh, no, if I was to be honest, and obviously, you know, when you reached out, you want to talk about diversity and inclusion. I think I wish I had known 10 years ago how accepting people were and the industry were are of my disability because I think I've had some bad experiences. So there have been times when... I haven't wanted to lean in or haven't wanted to come to conferences. So I think I wish I knew 10 years ago that people are accepting, are supportive, and maybe I would have done it a bit earlier. Amazing. Thanks so much, Daisy. Thank you. And now it's over to Beck and David. Thank you, Anthony, and Happy New Year for 2024. Back to another Ossert podcast. And once again, I'm joined by the lovely David Stockdale, Director of Ossert. How are you doing, David? I'm good. Happy New Year, Beck. Thank you very much. Yeah, 2024. I mean, we were just recording the 20, end of the 2023 a few weeks ago, it seems. Yeah, but we did go home in between and have a break, I promise. We did, and we had and good Christmases. And I hope everybody else had a good Christmas. I um, hope it was um, you know, working in the, in, the, in the industry that we do. I hope everybody had a quiet Christmas as well, from the point of view of cyber, um, because... Uh, you know, that's obviously the big fear when we have Christmas, it gets disturbed by that. Everyone so, needed a bit of restoration. They yes. definitely <laughs> did, yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm really excited to start a new year and, you know, like, you know, like we do in our personal lives, I think we do the same in, in our work lives of like what our goals are and what we want to see happen, what we're going to achieve this year. So super exciting. I think our first big announcement is that we're recruiting right now. We are recruiting, yes. Yeah, after a little while of uh, trying to get it approved, we are actually looking for a new general manager for OzCert. And, and I, I think we're all very excited about this. OzCert has gone from strength to strength in the last few years. And, and it, we really need that. We need somebody to come in and, and own that role and help with the outreach, the engagement, 
and really help just coordinate things and, and move them ahead. So I'm really, I, I think we're all excited. I think Mike, yourself, myself, I think the team are very excited as well. And yeah. I hope, hope a lot of our members will be excited when, you know, when we do this. And, and it means that somebody's going to be, there's going to be somebody new on stage at the oh, conference. Yeah, exactly. So that's going to be, yeah, so it's not going to just be Mike and myself. Uh, so that's going to be exciting as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, it's made me think about a whole bunch of things. I mean, obviously, I'll have someone new to work with on, on the daily, mm. but I don't think people realise how lean we are in our cert and, and what we get done with so few team members. So for me, that extra resource and an extra time is really exciting. I think I think so. I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, some members, some member organisations and members will understand how lean we are, and, and we are. We are a very small organisation, and I think we punch well above our weight. But we do we, we, we do operate you know in my, in my particular role is essentially part time mm. and and having somebody who can give more time more dedication to us service is going to be a great thing. Absolutely, yeah. And I think you know between Mike and I, like we try to to keep that torch running, but we're both very hands on with our teams and yeah so having someone that can be a bit more outward focused and and dedicated all the time is going to be really great yeah and that's not taking anything away from what you and mike have, have achieved or are achieving i mean i think the work is fantastic and i think we've made it work but if we want to if we want to continue on the on this trajectory with OSERT, with the new services and building a, a bigger you know, user base then we've really got to have more resources and yeah. and somebody sort of helping to lead it is really where we need to start yeah i think you know we've made a lot of growth and change last few years but i'm really excited about where that can take us this year of of next level changes and improvements so yeah it's currently open job is open if you jump on if you look if you look at us at social media you'd be all across this already yep. we're promoting it there or through uq Link, jobs uq jobs and linkedin i believe it's i think it's on the linkedin as well so yeah i mean please have a look at it if you fancy working for this wonderful organization if you think you'll be a good fit then you know happy for you to uh, to apply or to contact me and and, and talk about what the role is going to entail but yeah very excited yeah so that's gonna be a big change for us i think the most exciting part that i figured out today was this is the first time we'll have a full, you know, full OSERT team in probably five years. Yes, that's right. I mean, we've, we, we have gone through some lean, some lean years. <clears throat> Being part of the University of Queensland, whilst we, we're very well supported, yeah, we are part of a bigger organisation and, 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 you know, it, certain things are imposed on us. So, you know, I, I, think, I think building up with this, with this new capability is just going to help us really in, in sort of increase increase those those new initiatives as well yeah yeah i think you know obviously there's been a lot of team meetings and and ideas and project plans and things happening as always happens in january so i'm really excited to continue a lot of the work that we're doing with member engagement last year and i know that some emails have already gone out to some of our audiences we're taking some polls about bringing our member meetups to each city and and they're already commencing in february i think so straight up we'll be hitting members doors which is really exciting yeah it's going to be and i'm just looking over your shoulder and we've got on the board behind us we've got yes yeah, your early schedule for the for the beginning of the year and there's quite a lot of engagement there is a lot of engagement there leading right up to the conference mm. yeah and traditionally you know we, uh, um, the this the first half of the year has been very much focused on getting to the conference and then the second half has been the, the more sort of uh, fine-grained um, engagement piece whereas this year you've really got that nutted down so that you've got engagement happening all the way through the We're year gonna be busy. with the conference in the middle you are going to be busy you're all going to be busy yeah. 
and that's really yeah. good. And I think I think a lot of people who li- listen to this podcast are those people who are probably engaged, you're quite engaged, and, and know very much about what we do in the services. We actually do have quite a lot of members, organisations who who are subscribers and do use our service, but don't necessarily understand all of the benefits. Mm-hmm. You know, so how we reach those people is very important, and whether that's through word of mouth through through the people who are listening and, and you know, pr- promoting this even further. But we do we we want all of our members to get really good value. That's what we're about. It's it's we want them to get the benefit of the services. Yeah, I mean you don't pay a lot for it, but you still need to have value. That's exactly. really important. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And we do believe in the things that we do. We do. And we really believe they are worthwhile. And so I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. And I think as we get out to see our members, the piece that I really love is just that feedback and and ideas for improvement. So that's. That's why I work at Ozzo, is that we can hear those ideas and, and what people would like our services to be, and then we can come back and actually shape them to meet what members want. That's right. Yeah, I mean, how many organisations that you, you buy a service off actually listen to what you want and then actually try to deliver that? Yeah. That's, it is, the, the big commercial uh, providers are very important, but that's not the, their way they work. That's where we can that's be really model. different. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's nice to be agile sometimes. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, so there'll be lots of travel. And yeah, so member meetups in the first half of the year before conference as well as post-conference. So make sure that you're watching your inboxes for those. The other thing is that we're you know delivering a whole, you know, all the training courses are coming back. Schedules are being updated for that for all of 2024. Yep. We're looking to deliver some of those face-to-face and not just online this year. That's right, and I do love the training courses. I mean, that's something that's come about in the time I've been working with with, with yourselves in OSCERT, and I think those training courses are so important. I think lift, helping to lift knowledge, it, it's you know, it's at the heart of what the a university does, but it's very much at the heart of what OSCERT does as well. And I think helping organisations get on top of, yeah, helping their, their teams get more knowledge is what helps protect them as well. So very important, uh, along with the other services we do. But, Absolutely. Mm. Okay, so I have to mention the conference. Like it's, it'd be remiss of me if I missed of it at course. this moment. I love this time of year because we'll, we don't get to say next year, it's this year, which is exciting. Yeah, yes. Conference is coming. But yeah, Call for Presentations is still open. So they close at the end of next week. So people still have time to get those submissions in. We've got so many submissions pouring in, which is really exciting. The program committee always is going to have a hard time reviewing those. And, mm. and, and I look forward to that day where we get together and, duke it out about what actually makes the program and what doesn't yeah is there I, anything you're looking forward to with the conference I, I've had a this year I've actually had it all well actually big mixture of early on this year and a bit of last year I've had a few people actually reach out and actually contact me and say oh they'd like to do it for the first time and some of the topics have not been the, te- the, the traditional technical type of cyber presentations mm. that one's been around the culture um, which I think is very important we've talked a lot about culture before but actually people presenting on the culture I mean that might not make it in who knows but I think it's really interesting to see that diversity emerging in it so I'm, I'm excited as well I think I was just reflecting the other day strangely enough is that you know I get on stage uh, as part of that opening piece on the conference which is a great honour and talk about a little bit of a few thoughts and then at the end I very much do the thank yous but the amount of people who are in the background like the program committee mm. the, the amount of work that those people put in it is is phenomenal 
and, and you say duke it out I mean there, there is it's a, it is a battle to, to actually come down <laughs> with that final list yeah. and I'm really grateful for the for the people who do dedicate their time to reading through all these presentations and then you know working to as part of a team to, to make that program as good as it is and so you know even though I'm saying it in advance a big thank you to everybody who actually who does who do work on that program committee it's been great because we did a, a two-phase program for this conference so tutorials are already locked in so program committee has done the hard part of the tutorials yep. so it's just the main program to go but I always really enjoy the passion and enthusiasm you know I don't think everyone realizes but every one of those submissions is read by four different people and reviewed and rated and then we do a ranking in order of you know the highest score but then it really has to still make the grade it still has to pass the muster of the whole program committee mm-hmm. and be grouped by theme is it relevant does it match our conference theme yeah is there enough people that are going to get into this is there other pro you know other sessions that will match it as you know as a, a theme for that stream so yeah there's a lot of thought and ideas that come into there's a lot there is a what, lot of work. what looks so simple on a program yes I mean, you turn up to the conference and you go oh that looks interesting that looks interesting turn up for some talks and that was interesting that that's great i'm looking forward to that but it it you know the the, the amount of effort that goes in behind the scenes to actually achieve that is is huge yeah. and that takes dedication because these people the, the the people who are sitting on there are doing it voluntarily absolutely uh, and yeah. through the passion for yeah. Ossert. Yeah. and yeah majority of them don't work for us yet. That's right. Some of them have worked for us in the past and uh, can't, can't leave us quite behind. No, no, and that's wonderful. <laughs> and again, that just shows how, how, you know, how, how yeah. people feel about us. But yeah, no, it's great to have industry engagement there and, and make sure that we've got, you know, specialists across all those different things and, and categories to make sure that people that know the topic are the ones reviewing it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's enough from us. Thank you for joining me. Pleasure. Looking forward to it this year 2024 some great things i think will come out of this i said the general manager position is open please feel free to contact me if you'd like to have a chat about it and we'll see everybody at the conference lovely thank you thanks thanks for listening to this episode of share today save tomorrow the ausert podcast and special thanks to daisy and to beck and david we'll be back next month with the next episode of share today save tomorrow with a new guest and a look into the australian cybersecurity scene If you want to know more about AusCert, be sure to visit auscert.org.au.